it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. to the Often Daunted Podcast with me, Burke White. I'm sitting here recording on a Sunday night, as I do every week for you here in the offseason. Releasing these every Monday, I appreciate you guys out here giving me a listen. I appreciate a subscribe if you hit me with one of those. Uh, If you haven't, a rating goes a long way. Um, But yeah, with all that intro out of the way, let's get on to some national news for you. Oh my god, wait. Before that, guys, before we start, I just want to talk about last week's episode. I, I appreciate anybody who gave it a listen as, uh, it was almost unbearable for me to record with the sunburn I had. It was absolutely a sitcom episode worthy. Like, the the tertiary character has this the entire episode. It's worthy of that uh, level of sunburn. And I appreciate you guys for giving me the listen, uh, for putting up with me just half-minded. Because uh, just <laughs> the smallest, yeah, smallest movement was torture. So thank you very much. Yeah, with that, that, uh... With the appreciation out of the way, let's move on to some national news for you. Starting off with some national news that actually directly impacted the Indiana Hoosiers just this last weekend. As uh, in an abrupt change in its own interpretation of the... This is all according to Jeff Rabjohns. I mean, he's the go-to, right? In an abrupt change in its own interpretation of its own rules... The NCAA made a new rule regarding ruling regarding FanFest's events. This was all uh, basically 48 hours before Indiana's was set to begin. Apparently, like, players can't play basketball for non-sanctioned events or some shit. And uh, with heart... Ultimately, I was just thinking about this whole thing as it was happening 48 hours before Indiana's NIL event. It's dumb. It, I mean, who, ultimately, who cares? that You just wanted to meet the players, I imagine, and I'm sure they got to. You can watch them play... F- far stiffer competition throughout the season, but I imagine it would have been fun to see them with the three-pointer, with the uh, slam dunk contest. But while I was like, yeah, it's just water, who gives a shit? I was also on the side of like, what would the NCAA do if we did it anyway? Um, With this latest uh, Harbaugh investigation with the NCAA, with his uh, COVID recruiting, but uh, they they just have shown that they cannot police, like the NCAA is done policing. (laughs) They are... The whole the whole way I felt about if the Hoosiers just said, hey, screw it, let's just do it, was I genuinely think that the NCAA would just act like they never saw it. Uh, rather than even trying to prove they are a competent, like, governing presence in today's sports world. I mean, basketball, the NCAA matters for the non-revenues, of course. But they're not going to press the envelope when uh, all these football contracts are being signed, when football's making all the decisions, and basketball's riding the coattails because they are also revenue. <laughs> but... Ultimately, when I was like, the Hoosiers could just go with this. They could just do the damn thing. I thought that Hoosier Fan Fest definitely isn't the hill to die on or a reason to go with go to war with the NCAA by any means. <laughs> so, yeah, it must have stunk for all those. I think they were offering refunds. I don't That's a bummer. Big time bummer. But ultimately, it was an event that we're. I hope that most of us are going to that event because we are fortunate enough to be in a position that we can support our basketball program by attending events like that. That uh, we see that as our contribution to uh, trying to go get some big name recruits with this NIL money. So funny that it happened 48 hours before ours. I think uh, Kentucky's went off without a hitch just not too long back. But hey, we got to take the punches. We got to keep 
pressing forward, and that's what this Hoosier program is going to do. Other national news as Cooper Flag reclassified. This happened, I think, Sunday night as I was recording, but uh, yeah, you're getting it a week later. Yeah, Cooper Flag reclassified, so alas, looks like while Rutgers thought they were getting the number one and number two recruits in the country, looks like they will be having to settle for the number two and number three once we see Ron Harper finally declare. Indiana's still in on him, though. Don't. We're not out of the fight just yet. He hasn't called it. Cooper Flag immediately moves to the just the top name in the class, and uh, everyone has him tagged to Duke. Sounds like it's only a matter of time, but yeah, that's just the latest on the Cooper Flag saga. That the entire nation is just, he's it right now. He's the it boy in <laughs> the recruiting game. So uh, yeah, we have heard plenty of him, and we will definitely continue to hear more as he is now the top name in that uh, 2024 class. An interesting national story that I wanted to share with you was uh, the st- just uh, the details about Trenton Flowers. He was a five-star recruit from the class of 2023, and he only recently, this was a, yeah, class of 2023, so he would be heading in to play this season. But it looks like he has decommitted from Louisville and instead will elect to play down under, uh, looking to play for the Adelaide 36ers of the National Basketball League in Australia. This comes after Flowers has been practicing with Louisville since June. He reclassified to this class of 2023 after being ranked number 18 in the class of 2024. And yeah, he left Louisville high and dry after practicing with them since June. Nobody's loyal out here anymore. Um, that's why you got to create a program chemistry. You have to create a program people want to be a part of. And uh, looks like Louisville didn't really make the solid pitch to Trenton Flowers in his first month on campus. First two months? Yeah, first two months. Kenny Payne made a statement on it. He said, uh, earlier today, Trenton and his family informed me of his decision to pursue a professional career overseas. We're certainly disappointed in his decision and the timing. We fully believe in the University of Louisville's ability to help student-athletes reach their goals, including to play at the highest levels of professional basketball. And we're confident that Trenton could have achieved his dreams by making Louisville his home. However, we wish Trenton and his family well in all of his future endeavors. When asked, Flowers had to say, This decision was the best for me in my basketball career. I love Kenny Payne, assistant coach Nolan Smith in Louisville basketball. The timing wasn't the best, but it was the best step for me in my game. I can only move on and make the best of what I decided. Anyone that says I made the wrong decision, I feel otherwise. Flowers had said that Louisville was his dream. Uh, He said Louisville was my dream college, but I feel like signing in the NBL gives me the best chance to lock in and develop my game. I'm going over there to play point guard to learn how to run a team and and be a player like LaMelo Ball or Josh Giddy. Adelaide is a place for me to lock in and focus on my game. The 6'8 guard has said that the NBL will let him play the point, which is what he's looking to show off to the NBA. I wanted to bring up this story just to highlight that these guys don't need anyone out here. And we kind of need to realize that before something like this happens to us. There are plenty of roads that lead to the NBA now. And it does take a tailoring. It does take tailoring a game plan to personnel's wants at this point to land and retain top talent. That's why you love to hear from our camp this offseason uh, that everyone's buying into Woody's vision because this, in my eyes, is the is Woody's first ground up team. Last year he let Jalen cook because he had to, and it sh- and it also showed off what Jalen wanted to before the NBA draft. He had Trace Jackson Davis, the most reliable player in college basketball. I mean. Not the most dangerous because he didn't operate from the outside, but the most reliable. He worked with it. He uh, made, he drafted his game plan to the personnel. This is his ground-up team. I'm excited to see what he can do this year. And uh, going off on a different tangent, sorry. 
Yeah, it's about having a vision that that carries over through the seasons, carries over through the uh, guys that are going to stick around. I hope to God. I think it's happening, but I'm also ignorantly optimistic about all this shit. But I really think that, uh, yeah, I mean, Louisville is a great bat. Like, they have a lot of funding. They have a lot of support. Right now, what they don't have is a solid basketball, like a identity. I think Mike Woodson has, he's stormed Indiana with identity. He's he's making he's making Indiana cool again. It's all about uh, just making sure you can retain the interest of these guys, is what I'm saying. It's hard. It's hard. And yeah, if the 6'8 guard wants to play point guard, maybe you let him. Um, sounds like Kenny Payne may have, may have been putting up a fight if this kid decided he needs to go to Australia instead. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's a crazy time where all coaches do not have the leverage they once did. These kids are going to be seen because the goddamn internet is invented. <laughs> like, talent's going to be found by NBA scouts who are paid to find talent. Interesting to see how um, Trent Flowers is now going about it. Another national story for you. I brought him up last week. Uh, Kez Glover, guard uh, transfer. Played at both Florida and Sanford, 5'11". He is heading to Kansas State, undersized guards at Kansas Kansas State. There you go. There's a new tradition for you. I mean, this was, again, the guy I brought up last week that his transfer announcement came after BYU was failing, like, some NIL uh, promises or something. Ultimately, not a Hoosier, but again, I said last week, I don't, I don't want them. We got the guys we got. I love the guys we got. Let's take it to the floor with these boys. Friday, we saw Brad Underwood and Bill Self got together to announce that Kansas and Illinois would be playing a charity game Sunday, October 29th for Maui Relief. This is in the State Farm Center, I believe. Interest. I mean, it's an awesome game. October 29th. Now, where does that fall in the skate? So October 29th is the same date as Indiana's last exhibition game against Indianapolis. No, their first. Um, sorry. That's a big-time exhibition game. Awesome that they're doing it for charity, but uh, yeah, I I just don't want (laughs) awesome thing they're doing aside. If Illinois somehow pulls the victory there and it's a charity game, exhibition game, not worth anything, I don't want to hear about them winning against Kansas all year. I just don't. Uh, So, and of course, I'm going to be rooting for an undefeated Kansas and just like a number one Kansas, undisputed like leader in the country, Kansas, to uh, head into Assembly Hall and get effectively waxed on the court immediately there <laughs> it's going to be a tough one but uh I, I really hope they're undefeated north carolina let us down last year those tickets were mad expensive when north carolina was number one after dropping it dropping the stakes it was sad to see now uh we don't need any reason to want to get back to kansas like get back at kansas there is no reason because we have every reason we need i, I think i burnt my cable box i had it recorded because i couldn't burn the film but nonetheless, I remember every moment of that game. It was, it was total carnage. And I want to get total revenge on number one Kansas. So thanks for doing it for Maui Relief. Illinois, do not beat Kansas. Not even in an exhibition charity game. Don't. Lastly, the last national story I wanted to share was Wednesday that it was announced Kentucky would now be a Kobe brand school. And I have to say I'm all right with Indiana not being a Kobe brand school. Please, Nike, if you bring us in, don't bring us in as a Kobe brand school. Um, <clears throat> I'm not even going to go down that road more than that. Uh, he was a wizard on the court. End of the story. <laughs> Nike continues to take over just the sports world. It is so insane how we have seen Nike 
unveiled the introduced brand and now brand into college basketball. And now brand, I guess, yeah. Brand on brand on brand into college basketball. And it looks like it's like, a, oh, this school, like Jordan brand schools. It's a monopoly. <laughs> it is so crazy how they are. It's it's a three companies fighting now because Kobe's going to get right into it with Kentucky. Uh, Kobe, Jordan, and Nike. All the same company. It is, they, man, it's crazy that one degree of separation doesn't make it a monopoly. It's nuts. I don't want to be in, I don't know what brand we, we need Nike. We need Nike. But, ah, I don't know. Adidas is how we got it. While many are in favor of moving to Nike. Personally, I'm definitely okay if we were to go to Nike, not going to the Kobe brand. Rather stick with Jordan Nerd than Nike brand itself. And with all of that national news out of the way, let's head on to the Indiana news for you. Big Mike with the payday. Same weekend as getting to strike the anvil for the Colts preseason game. Uh, we beat the Bears. No big deal. And I have to say, while I, while I was watching him strike down that, hand, that anvil, I thought this may be the single most dominant display of hammering down I've ever witnessed. But onto the bag. Mike got paid. Mike got paid. It was announced Friday, with four years remaining on the contract, that Mike will be making a million more than he had the prior two seasons. IU Vice President and Director of Athletics Scott Dolson said, Upon his arrival, Coach Woodson immediately reinserted our program into the national discuss- into the national conversation, both in terms of an elevated level of success on the court and in recruiting. I knew that returning our program to the level that Hoosier fans rightfully expect would be a process that wouldn't happen overnight. I have become extremely pleased with the steps we have taken during the last two years. I believe under Coach Mike, under Coach Woodson's leadership, we have positioned the program to compete at the highest levels in recruiting, which in turn will enable us to compete at the highest levels within the Big Ten and in the NCAA tournament. This $4.2 million salary moves Mike into the top 10 highest paid coaches, and this makes him the third highest in the Big Ten. Oddly enough, he is sliding into that exact 4.2 mil spot that Huggy just vacated. I like this. He had to prove he was the man for the job, and now he has, in my humble eyes, I mean, he has done just that. Time to pay him like he's up to the task for leading one of the most prestigious programs in the country back to national relevance. According to GoBankingRates.com, whoever that is, Indiana's basketball program is is the fifth highest revenue in college basketball. And if that is the case, and we want to get back to being one of the top teams in the country, performing on the court, we have to pay our coaches like that. Mike Woodson came in. He said he's going to get us back to relevance. Or, I mean, he's going to try. He's going to die trying. And he is taking a step every year. Year after year, we're getting closer and closer. I'm, I'm excited to see where we are, where we can take this one. Thanks to Big Mike, who deserves every bit of that million-dollar raise. Earlier this week, it was announced that Noah Vonley will be joining his teammate, Yogi Ferrell, and playing for the Shanghai Sharks. Thanks to Dan Olinger for sharing that story that I saw picked up by the Kansas City Star. Hoop dreams, just keep pursuing them. Glad to see these guys. Uh, I, I mean, Yogi, Yogi's forever. Yogi's forever. Yeah, just glad to see Hoosiers get to ball together once again, even in China. China. This week, the final basketball numbers came down, so I'm going to read them down real quick. We have Xavier Johnson, number zero. Number one, Kellel Ware. Number two, Gabe Cups. Number three, Anthony Leal. Four, Anthony Walker. 
five, Malik Renu. Number 10, Kayla Banks. 11, CJ Gunn. 12, Ja'Kai Newton. 13, Sean Burke. 15, James Goodis. 21, Mackenzie Mbako. Sorry about that. 24, Peyton Sparks. 30, Ian Stevens. And 32, Trey Galloway. Just wanted to give them all a shout out. Hey, it's been, there's not much going on this. Again, no news is good news in the case of offseason basketball. Unless we're talking, yeah, I mean, we're talking recruiting. That'd be great. <laughs> we'll get into some recruiting in a bit, but uh, just talking about who we could potentially hear some news from. But before that, uh, just on Twitter Wednesday, Jeff Robjohn shared that uh, Indiana freshman guard Ja'Kai Newton had successful knee surgery today, Wednesday. Uh, timetable for his return to be determined at a lab- later date. Zach Osterman with the Indy Star was able to elaborate a bit more, pointing out that it was a knee scope operation. I am no doctor and have never needed one, uh, but it looks like this is when the they make a small incision in your leg, uh, then put a long camera down it, gross, I know, sorry, uh, and get a good look at how everything is growing back in place. Again, not a doctor, uh, so all my doctor listeners out there, I know that you go to the often daunted for all your knowledge, you doctors out there. Yeah, you. I, I apologize for making you uh, have to lend your ears to that train wreck of a description of a uh, knee scope operation. Where there's a will, there's a Galloway. Terrible segue. Oh, Gala Segway. There you go. <laughs> when there's a will, there's a Galloway. Trey Galloway with the t-shirt drop. $40 right now at the GallowayBrand.com. Go support a Hoosier. Convince other people to come here. It's all relative. Sweet shirts. Uh, where there's a will, there's a Galloway in the Indiana State outline. I'm going to get one for my birthday. I- I'm going to need it for this season as one of our captains. It was announced this week, I believe. Our captains this year are Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway. No, I mean, of course it is. Those those two are they're the returning staples. And therefore, they shall lead this team to great heights this season. They are the returning staples. They are the leaders. Let's see where they can take these boys. Go buy his shirts. Go buy his shirt so he goes. And so later down the line, he's like, dude, I went to IU and fans bought all my shirts. Just put stuff out there and they'll buy it. That's how we get guys. This in the year of the, our Lord, 2023. Now on to some recruiting news. Listen up, people. September 8th, if you're on campus, we are going to need you on your best behavior. I'm going to need you minding your P's and Q's. We have some big time visits coming that day. On September 8th, we have Liam McNeely. We have Derek Queen. And we have now their point guard visiting us, Curtis Givens the third, I believe. Four-star point guard, top 10 player in the state of Florida, top 15 point guard. By all measure, an elite ball handler and an absolute floor general. I mean, he's he's starting point guard for Montbird. Yes, please. Wait. Yes, please. 6'2", 170 pounds. This size means he can finish at the rim. Nice to see that all these guys are coming from Montbird together. They're going to be traveling together. They're going to have so much time to just daydream about what they could do at Indiana together. And hey, guys, if you guys were like, we are the Montverde class moving into Indiana, it would be talked about. You would be talked about. <laughs> Let's get all these guys to Indiana. I need it. We need to get one of these names soon. But first place is we need to have great visits with these guys. So don't be a bunch of weirdos out there uh, just causing a ruckus i imagine some of these guys like a like a hey what's up but nothing crazy okay i'm sure they like to know that our fans are aware of their presence here there are some basketball schools that that might not be like so much the case you want to play for a fan base that knows you so we have the montverde trifecta visiting on september 8th 
On September 15th, we see Austin Schwartz sharpshooting uh, guard visiting us. And on September 29th, we will see Anor Boateng, the uh, four-star small forward. Big visits. Big visits where I would love to see one of these guys leave one of those weekends with, a, with their commitment. Other news on the recruiting front. Four-star seven-footer Malachi Moreno will be visiting September 2nd. The, he is the number 49 overall, number 7 for the class of 2023. This all based on on three. Playing out of Kentucky. Dominant big man. Seven foot. I like the sounds of that. <laughs> Same weekend as him, September 2nd. Gerald, Jalen Harrelson will be visiting. Call these guys in together. Get them in a room together. Let them dr- daydream up scenarios, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, get these guys on campus and we're good. The fact that all these guys are visiting, as long as they, they we see those dates hit, those September dates come through. I think we got a good chance. Good luck not falling in love with Bloomington once you're here. Enough recruiting. Jalen Huchifino announced this week that he will be hosting two basketball camps this offseason with next-gen camps. One in Charlotte, one in Charlotte this week on August 26th, and then the next in Bloomington on September 2nd. The ages are 6 to 16, $150 per ticket at nextgencamps.com. I, I do love to see just how in his one year, Jalen does feel a tie to Bloomington. It's the stuff you wish you would have seen a little more out of guys like Noah Vonley. <laughs> but you, you love to see it in a guy like Jalen Huchifino, particularly right now, because I think Jalen Huchifino's cool to a young recruiting base that we need to, we need to pitch Indiana as cool. So I'll, I'll welcome every single camp Jalen wants to throw in Bloomington. I will support Jalen in Bloomington. If you're interested, send your kids. Ages six to sixteen. Check it out. Do your <laughs> don't just send your kid. Do your research. Jalen, yeah. Love to see that Jalen just is going. He plans to stick around Bloomington. It looks like. And man, if he just if he tears it up in the NBA, become becomes a face out there. Yeah, he he's a pretty cool cat to be affiliated with. Uh, Indiana, <laughs> the Indiana program. In upsetting Hoosiers in the NBA news, uh, we all saw why race was a no show at the NBA summer league. <clears throat> race shared on Tuesday night that his right tibia fractured two months ago. I think that would fall in line with when he should have been uh, in those NBA Summer League performances or showings. Yeah, just such a bummer that yeah that race has these speed bumps just at the offset, of, like at the jump of his true college career. But he didn't get to truly cash in on NIL like a lot of these guys might. And, and you just got to send race your thoughts and prayers because uh, you just want to see good things for this Hoosier. Wherever his basketball journey takes him, here's hoping that... Uh, Minor setback for a major comeback. Earlier this week, it was announced that Derek Druin, men's track and field from 2010 to 2013, Alexi Coral, men's soccer from 1996 to 1999, Christina Lucas, women's diving 2006 to 2009, Tina McCall Waters, women's tennis 1978 to 81, George McGinnis, men's basketball 1970 through 71, and Larry Rink, the team physician 1980 through present would all be inducted into the IU Athletics Hall of Fame. These three will be inducted at the ceremony, uh, being held at a Hall of Fame dinner on Friday, September 22nd. Following that, they will be recognized at halftime of the Indiana-Akron football game. And just a little bit on both Larry and George. Larry Rink, uh, he's been the men's basketball team physician for 43 years now. Uh, he remains a consultant for IU Athletics and still serves as and still serves us Hoosiers as the executive director of the Lawrence D. Rink Sports Medicine and Technology Center. Still teaches for uh, the IU School of Medicine as a clinical professor as well. 
how sick would it be to teach in a school? Like, I mean, that's the IU Lawrence D. Rink Sports Medicine and Technology Center. So if you can't tell, you, he's a pretty big deal. When you're teaching at the school that your name is on the building, uh, that's, that's a pretty sick spot to be in. On to George McGinnis. George McGinnis, men's basketball, 1973 to 1971. An Indiana legend, both college and pro, through and through. One year of varsity ball as a sophomore, as a freshman, didn't get to play varsity ball back in the day. This Hoosier did in that sophomore season more in that one year than most could only dream of doing. In the 1973-71 season, George McGinnis led the Big Ten in points and rebounds, that being 29.9 points and 14.7 rebounds. This was the first time this was ever done. Following that incredible season for the Hoosiers, he left and, uh, would be playing for the Pacers in the ABA the following season. For the Pacers, he was a three-time All-Star, one-time playoff MVP, and one-time regular season MVP. Following that, he uh, had a stint on the Philadelphia 76ers, and I say stint as he was a three-time All-Star in his time there. Following that, he was on Denver, then again for the Pacers in the NBA. Ultimately, his number 30 would be retired for the Indiana Pacers. George McGinnis is a 2017 Basketball Hall of Fame inductee, so credit to Indiana University for having a more stringent <laughs> reviewing process, I guess, than the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. No, honest to God, George McGinnis, absolute legendary season. Uh, the fact he isn't already in this, it was shocking to me. The last bit of Indiana news, you all know, our Empire Classic opponent got announced. And uh, it was the announcing of this opponent that really had me thinking about Indiana's blue blood status. Because, of course, it did. It's the offseason. I'm talking, I'm, I'm running terms like blue blood through my head and just defending Indiana as a blue blood. It, it was announced that Indiana drew UConn in the Empire Classic. We will be taking on the Huskies November 19th at 1 p.m. in Madison Square Garden. And I know we all heard about the Kansas and North Carolina matchup. But if you ask me, this is a battle of the blue bloods, okay? So I just wanted to discuss Indiana as a blue bud here. Blue bud. I'm going to say that a lot. Blue blood here. I just wanted to uh, talk about blue bloods through the lens of this UConn and Indiana matchup. We are promised this season. It's going to be an awesome one, but we have plenty of time to break down opponents, break down all that stuff here in the off season. We're going to be talking things like blue bloods. We're going to be talking about hypotheticals. We're going to be talking way too early. This is the time to have fun because it's about to get serious. So right after this word from our sponsors, I'll be talking a bit of Blue Bloods with you. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you by me, Burke White. Go give me a follow on every uh, social out there, at Often Daunted. Uh, it's been just such a great time getting this podcast off the ground. Been doing it for a while now. I mean, this is episode 50, so <laughs> credit me for sticking with it. Hopefully these episodes are getting a little better each time. I'm trying to bring something, bring more to it. A little more each time. Again, sorry about last episode. I was sunburnt to a crisp. <laughs> yeah. Go give me a follow. If you haven't left, uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show, please, it helps. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, if you haven't grabbed your mom's phone and then uh, subscribed on there, please go do that. That helps me too. Uh, that doesn't harm your bill or anything like that. It doesn't harm her bill or anything. Yep. Brought to you by me. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So with their national title, UConn is absolutely a blue blood, right? That now brings the list to Indiana, Kentucky, UCLA, Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina. In respect to Jay Wright, let's throw Nova on there. Now, UConn is the most newly inducted brethren. 
And really, there's not much you can say to knock them now to keep them out of the club. You know, and the term blue blood is so subjective. It's so just out there. It's in the eyes of the beholder, if you will. But, you know, what is a blue blood? You know, blue blood, the term, is rooted in nobility. Most likely because royal blood was inbred and deoxygenated or something. So, I mean, it just means the royal class of basketball. Uh, the earliest reference to blue bloods in basketball was not to a team or a program, but rather to inv- individuals. Uh, the Brooklyn Times Union had the headline, Centrals Made Up of Basketball Blue Bloods, saying the kids came from like very talented families or something. The earliest reference in Indiana seems to be credited to the uh, Indianapolis News on March 9th, 1942. But the man who may have brought the term blue blood to prov- prominence was Dick Dunkel, all-time name team, uh, of the Charlotte News. Dick used blue blood as a tear in his men's basketball rankings column. The Associated Press would later follow suit and would use the phrase to describe teams near the top of the AP poll. Teams consistently sitting around there got associated with it, and that's a wrap. Indiana may have very well gotten lucky with the uh, turn coming to fruition when it did, as Indiana was very much so in those top rankings consistently. And with us being able to add teams like UConn to this grouping, that would assume that one could remove teams from this grouping. And uh, the question remains to many of those out there, not us, because we know, we know Indiana's still a blue blood. You know, the question out there is, is Indiana blue blood? When I, when I was pondering that, I just, I ran through everything in my head. I was just like, okay, look at the blue blood atmospheres. We are there. Look at the blue blood support in NIL. We are there. Look at the pressure surrounding blue blood programs. We are there. Look at the national titles hanging in blue blood programs. We are there. Look at recent success. Unfortunately, we are not there. Our draft success, if built upon this next year, could go a long way in getting it like back to that cemented status. That, uh, that's what will reach these kids today. Show them that we can get them paid. That's what like the rest of the Blue Bloods are doing. Show these kids they can get paid. Inevitably, the success will follow the kids with the most talent. It just has to. If you have a guy like Mike Woodson at the helm especially, and I mean also in recent success, finally sweeping the in-state rival, definitely doesn't hurt here, but allowing them to win both the regular season title and the Big Ten tournament title, not great. I wanted to just think about some of the other, uh, you know, the, the other go-tos the haters out there will have, like the, uh, and, and just run through the possible defenses one Hoosier fan could present when defending Indiana's blue blood status. So I, I do have a few examples of those. So uh, here we go. We'll run through them. Of course, they're going to say, Indiana has had one dominant coach, win one without Bobby Knight, to which I say, so has Duke. Also, I think we are back to our like UCLA stage this season, where UCLA has gotten back to competing time and time again, despite their past success being pretty much there in the past they're still not questioned here as we are um because they were able to get back to that national relevance that i believe we are just kicking off right now we're back to that we're back in the good grace stage there's the offense there's the uh attack of dusty banners you're going to talk about our dusty banners to which i'm going to say there are 15 schools in this country that have more than one national title in college basketball there are maybe six i think that have five or more I take plenty of pride in the five anyone here was able to get. When there are only 15 schools with two or more, the most hurtful haters out there will say you aren't even the best in your state. To which I'm saying you want to talk about the past. 
You want to talk about the past? Let's talk about the past. Let's talk about droughts. Indiana's last Final Four, 2002. Purdue is 1980. I don't think people have come to terms with the idea that, you know, at one point the Cubs drought was only 43 years old. (laughs) It only took 65 more seasons for them to find that promised land. I'm just saying. So I'm not worried about that. To those Indiana blue blood haters out there, they say, hey, Indiana's red. To which I say, dude, you can't be drawing lines like that out here in the year of our Lord, 2023. It's ridiculous. At the end of the day, don't we all bleed red? The last offense I wanted to cover for uh, all of you out there listening, still listening to me at this point, (laughs) was whatever they say, just remember the good go-to. I I always have this one in in my back pocket whenever somebody's questioning Indiana's blue blood status. And it's the you can't tell the story defense. You can't tell the story of college basketball without Indiana. Good luck. I understand this blue blood argument is ultimately pointless and dumb. But here on August 20th, 2023, with roughly like two months until basketball starts, a little over until we really get into it, we have time for the pointless and dumb. We have, te- we have plenty of time for the pointful and not dumb closer to the season. <laughs> and I plan to get more pointful and less dumb. I also know pointful isn't a word. Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's oh. Listen up. I believe the Hoosiers to be a blue blood. But I must admit, they are starting to hit, like, it's starting to hit a max capacity on who can name themselves that. And if anyone else were to get an invite to the blue blood party, I'm afraid Indiana would be the first on the chopping block. Also, Purdue can remove us from this debate whenever they want. But they haven't. They, they've had every shot to uh, try, try and take this one, from, take the Blue Blood title from us. And it's not that they would get it. By no means would they get it. That would be the first title. But they could remove it from us. But it would take everything. And they've done everything they could to take that from us. Everything but one thing. And unfortunately for Purdue and very fortunate for Indiana, that one thing is everything. Win a title. Conference titles are important to a fraction of the nation. And in the discussion of Blue Bloods, titles matter. Indiana's titles matter whenever they came. Listen to me, I sound like a psychopath right now. (laughs) Shit. All right, guys. Yep, battle the Blue Bloods. Yeah, all that to say, we are scheduled to play UConn in the Empire Classic November 19th, Battle of the Blue Bloods, the real Battle of the Blue Bloods for you out there. Now let's get on with your Hoosier history hit, and then we'll get you out of here. This is your Hoosier history hit. For your Hoosier history hit, I was uh, listening to an episode of Twisted History and it was the Twisted History of Indiana and they just like, I heard an off just a side comment, just a side note, where they had said the first bank robbery, or the first train robbery happened in Indiana, where they had brought up the Reno gang, the Reno gang from Indiana. And uh, I thought I just wanted to share a little bit about them. Uh, Noted bad guys. Also, it seems like there were a lot of other bad guys and bad groups in this time (laughs) in uh, southern Indiana. So without further ado, let's get into the story of the Reno gang. Franklin, Frank, John, Simeon, Sim, and William Wilkinson grew up in Rockford, Jackson County, Indiana, raised in a strict Methodist household requiring reading of the good book, Sun Up to Sundown on the Lord's Day. 
And that side tangent to all the parents out there, I can't think of an easier way to make your kids loathe religion than that. Needless to say, these Sundays must have built up a little rebellion in these young men looking for shit to do in the middle of southern Indiana in the 1830s and 40s. They found trouble. They found trouble grifting travelers and card games. Mysterious fires hit Rockford over a period of seven years starting in 1851 that the community's suspicion would snowball for the brothers. The animosity of the town and the brothers reached its peak with a suspected horse theft. Horse theft. The tension rose enough that the brothers fled and laid low in St. Louis, Missouri before heading home in 1860. What a time to return. The brothers immediately didn't face those neighbors because it's time for war. Uh, during the Civil War, Frank, John, and Simeon became Union-hired mercenaries, only to end up never appearing to, for duty. They would head to enlisting stations around the area and use different names, take some pay, and then, of course, never show. The federal records show that these three brothers all deserted. Shitty thing is, uh, some of these neighbors didn't even really find shame in that, as uh, many of them were copperheads, sympathetic to the South, or were just uh, no northern Democrats, also sympathetic to the South. In 1864, Frank and John Wilkeson would return to Rockford and lay the foundation of a gang. The gang started by the brothers first popped up on the radar later that year, when Frank, along with a man named Dixon and another man named Grant Wilson, robbed the post office in Gilbert's store in Jonesville, Indiana. After being arrested and released on bond, Wilson thought he would snitch, and he would have snitched were he able to testify uh, but alas, he was murdered prior to being able to make the uh, trip to the stand. Following that, Frank was acquitted because, of course, he was. And uh, over the course of the criminal, over the course of these uh, young men's criminal education, the brothers adopted the surname Reno, probably because Reno sounded way more gangster than Wilkinson. The Reno gang, as they have came to be known, is often credited as the first brotherhood of outlaws in the United States. The gang's terrors started with jumping and murdering anybody caught traveling, ill-equipped through Jackson County and the surrounding areas. They would also pillage merchants and homes of the area. In 1866 in Seymour, Indiana, uh, it was popping. It was popping off with rail traffic, and it was on October 6th of that year that John Reno, Sim Reno, and a new Frank named Frank Sparks boarded an Ohio and Mississippi railway, tra railway train car as it departed the station. After breaking into the express car, restraining the guard, and breaking into the safe, the trio looted $16,000, or, rough, or roughly $600,000 in today's purchasing power. They then set their sights on the second larger safe, throwing it off the side of the train, where the rest of the gang began to ride. The gang fled the second safe as a large posse approached from Seymour. Following this, a man named George Kinney on the train came forward to identify two of what is now America's first non-Civil War-related train robbery. I mean, that's Major League shit right there. Uh, Kinney being named to testify was shot and murdered before he could. This was enough to silence anyone else uh, from having the gusto to say something. While the robbery seemed successful, the first train robbery would be the gang's most unlucky in the end, as the contents of the safe were insured and ordered to be reacquired by the Pinkertons. If you know, you know that the Reno's messed up. The Pinkertons were outlaws in their own right and could literally get away with murder following the orders of the very, very, very rich. On November 17, 1867, the gang would reemerge as John Reno was identified and arrested for the robbery of the Davies County Courthouse in Gallatin, Missouri. None other than the Pinkertons were the ones to bring him in. After being sentenced to 25 years, he would sit there until 1878 while the gang did their thing. Learning nothing from, his brothers, from their brother's sentence, Frank Reno, 
and two other gang members were caught by William Pinkerton, Pinkerton's son, following a, stra- uh, following a string of robberies in Iowa. The three would all break out of jail the following month. Following this escape, the gang pulled off two other train jobs, first in December 1867, leaving the Seymour Depot, grabbing a cool 8000 second on July 10th, where the Pinkertons were waiting to ambush. At this one, six members were wounded from the gang, um, none of them being the Reno brothers. The following spring, a vigilante group was formed with one objective, kill Reno's. The gang fled to Iowa, where they knocked over the Harrison County Treasurer for 14000 the next day robbing Mills County Treasurer for 12000 Pinkertons were able to arrest the lot of them at uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa. And uh, guess what? They broke out, uh, where the next month... <laughs> where the next month, 12 of the Reno gang members boarded a Madison and Indianapolis railroad train car as it was departing Marshfield, Indiana, in Scott County. They uncoupled the passenger cars and had the engine speeding away. The gang broke into the safe and stole $96,000, or about $3.5 million in today's spending power. After that haul, all but one member, Volney Elliott, escaped. And Volney Elliott later flipped on the whole gang, giving names of everyone for leniency. Two other members were caught the following day. Heading to prison... These three's train was stopped by a group calling themselves the Jackson County Vigilance Committee, and they were hung. On July 27, 1866, William and Simeon Reno were caught in Indianapolis. Frank Reno was caught in Windsor, and Secretary of State William H. Seward had him extradited. All three brothers were moved to New Albany, Indiana, to await trial. Trial would never come for the brothers, though, as on the night of December 12, 1868, 65 hooded men, not good guys, not good, uh, marched four wide to Floyd County Jail, where at the stroke of midnight, that is stroke of mid- doing stuff at the stroke of midnight, that is a hood dork idea for sure. Um, the mob broke into the jail in the sheriff's home like it was connected, I assume. Uh, it was at this time that the mob beat Sheriff Thomas Full, Full in Love. That is all-time all name. The Reno gang, it's, it's not the gang members that have the all-time names, it's the tertiary characters here. Tom, Sheriff Thomas Follenlove. <clears throat> Somewhat our only hero in this one. After being beaten and shot in the arm, he uh, kept refusing to give them the keys. It was at this time, seeing her husband shot and beaten, that his wife handed the keys over. It was then that Frank Reno was dragged out of his cell and hung. Immediately following him was William, then Simeon, and last being a uh, fourth gang member, Charlie Anderson. Technically, as the Pinkertons were contracted by the federal government, this is the only time in American history believed that a federal prisoner was lynched by a mob prior to trial. Also, side story related, or just a little note related to this, Reno Avenue in New Albany may be named for the gang. And I would say I'm not a real, like, rah-rah, tear-them-down guy, but maybe look into that one. It's, it's absolutely insane reading about crime of this era. The, the criminals are able to fold space-time with how they can just tr- fast travel across the map sometimes. And also, it just seems like jails were basically just cardboard, like, box forts. That was your Hoosier That was your Hoosier history hit, guys. If you're out there in southern Indiana, just look on the bright side. The Reno gang is gone. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Often Daunted Podcast. I'll be back at it again next week. I can't, I can't thank you guys enough for giving me that listen. Um, it's so much fun getting this out every week. Uh, God bless my wife for putting up with this uh, hobby I've undertaken. So if you're listening, dear, thank you. Love it. Love you. If you haven't, 
as always go feel feel free to reach out to me everything's that often daunted if you have any ideas for the show feel like i could uh, bring anything else to it feel free to uh, reach out to me at often daunted at gmail.com um, i sincerely hope you and yours have a great week and i'll be right back at it next one uh yeah you'll hear from me then thanks guys